Welcome. This is Ram Forward, a weekly podcast about the Los Angeles Rams. Hosted by two guys in California and Florida, it's LA Rams coast to coast. I'm Forrest Kelly, three and a half hours east of the 50-yard line at SoFi Stadium in Southern California. And I'm Mark LZ Rams, 2,200 miles east of the L.A. Memorial Coliseum in Northeast Florida. Hello again. This is Ram Forward, horns up, coast to coast. And as we uh, open up the show today, I just uh, thought I was going to tell you a couple of times ago, but uh, the radio station I worked at uh, walked into the studio. The other I work on uh, different uh, random times, walked into the studio, and there's a big autograph picture of Vince Ferragamo. And I thought, what? And apparently, uh, talking to the guys, he stopped by the studio and uh, we're doing some charity event or something. And uh, he autographed some pictures and came in for a short interview. So Vince Ferragamo is part of our trivia question today. Yep, I'm sure he would know the answer. Exactly. (laughs) Okay, here we go. In the first round of the 1979 playoffs, the Rams faced the Cowboys in Dallas. The Rams trailed 19 to 14 with two minutes and 16 seconds to go in the fourth quarter. Quarterback Vince Ferragamo threw a 25-yard pass to a Ram wide receiver running over the middle. He caught the pass and streaked past the Cowboys secondary for the other 25 yards for the touchdown, giving the Rams a 21 to 19 lead. The Rams defense held that lead and that advanced the team to the NFC Championship game. Who caught that pass and scored for the Rams? Yeah, I went back and uh, watched it just a few minutes ago on YouTube, uh, listening to Vince Scully and George Allen calling the play, and this uh, player uh, caught the ball and was carrying it like a loaf of bread in one (laughs) hand as he sprinted in, and that's also a secondary uh, part of that game was uh, the game that uh, Mr. Youngblood broke his leg and played in the second half. Oh, right, right. Right, right. Yeah, okay. So, uh, the Rams, uh, another bad, bad performance. And, you know, when things are going this bad, you know, it just kind of makes me want to sit back and say, Taking a break from all your worries Sure would help a lot Wouldn't you like to get away? Yeah, I'd like to get away. Sometimes you want to go Where everybody knows your name I, I did that in in your honor, Mark. I know you. Okay. I know big you love. Uh, I know you love Cheers. A big Cheers I fan. Do. So thought that would lighten the mood up just a little bit uh, as we talk about the last game with the Cardinals that had a glimpse of hope, but then <clears throat> it went to right. downhill. All right. Well, before we talk about the Cardinals game, here's some food for thought. I wonder how much of an effect McVeigh and Aaron Donald publicly contemplating retirement had on the team. You rarely see a team's best player and head coach both in their primes talk about that in the offseason. It seemed very odd to me. Maybe it was a tactic to get more money, or maybe they have lost some of their desire. The NFL is so competitive that you can't have anything but maximum intensity to be successful. I know we have had injuries, but it seems like the overall intensity just isn't there this year. I hope they don't pull that crap again this offseason. They should either say that they are committed to winning in 2023 or retire. I know some fans may think all that drama had no impact on the team, but we have been flat right from the first game against Buffalo. Even in the games we won, the intensity just wasn't there. Okay, as for the game, it was another disaster on both sides of the ball, and it was the yawn fest I predicted. I thought McVeigh might come up with a clever game plan, but I guess by now I should realize that just isn't the way things are right now. Not only are we losing, we are not even competitive. The Rams dropped to 3-6 and six and into last place in the NFC West. McVeigh finally benched Lunchmeat Evans, and the offensive line was better but second-string quarterback John Wolfel, just plain sucks, 
and third string quarterback Bryce Perkins shouldn't even be in the NFL. John Wolfel threw high all game. Don't let his final stats fool you. He got most of his yardage and garbage time when the game was out of reach. McVay's use of Perkins was laughable. He ran three times and passed once for a grand total of one yard net. Cooper Cup sprained his leg in the second half on a high pass from Wolfel. This is a domino effect of McVay playing lunch meet Evans at left guard the prior four games. That caused Stafford to get concussed. That caused Wolfel to have to start. He throws everything high, and that caused Cup to get hurt. Wolfel must think our receivers are nine feet tall the way he throws the ball. Cup will likely miss most, if not all, the rest of the season. Maybe now we'll finally see McCutcheon and Chitarius get integrated into the offense. Now, for today's episode of As the Offensive Line Turns, I can't ever remember any Rams team having so many nonstop injuries along the offensive line. We received word that left tackle Flabby Jackson is done for the season with blood clot, and right guard Chandler Brewer will be out for six weeks with a knee injury. Left guard David Edwards, who has been out the past five weeks with a concussion, is still not ready. Center Brian Allen is also injured. I'm hoping this will be our offensive line on Sunday. And Seki at left tackle, Abushi at left guard, Skura at center, Shelton at right guard, Havenstein at right tackle. I just hope McVeigh does not reinstall Lunchmeat Evans anywhere on this line. As to why we have had all these injuries on the offensive line, Turf Show Times poster Hunahu wrote this, quote, The Rams' offensive linemen are physically inferior and strain themselves to keep up, which can lead to injury as they are constantly bullied out of their stable core, unquote. I think there's a lot of truth in that statement. I have been critical of McVeigh, but in, in his defense, it is almost impossible to run any semblance of an offense with this much chaos on the offensive line. Now, the good and bad of Sunday. First, the good. Rookie running back Kyron Williams looked real good, albeit in garbage time. He has more of a burst than Akers, so I think he should share the load with Henderson from this point on. Wide receiver Van Jefferson had three catches for 27 yards and a touchdown, mostly in garbage time. Darrell Henderson looked good as always and scored the Rams' only meaningful touchdown on a five-yard run in the third quarter. I thought Ernest Jones and Bobby Wagner also played well. Now the bad. Cooper Cup had three catches for net minus one yard. It's not his fault. It's a reflection of the Pop Warner offense that we continue to see. The Rams have no downfield passing attack whatsoever. It was obvious Wolfel is better on rollouts than on straight dropbacks, so McStubborn should have rolled the pocket every passing play. He did not do that. Cornerback David Long was abused all day. I don't understand the quarterback pecking order. Ramsey is number one, of course, and I thought Troy Hill and Darian Kendrick were two and three. I have no idea why Long is on the field so much. I would rather see Kobe Durant or even Robert Rochelle platoon at cornerback number four, but they have been relegated to special teams only status. Cardinal wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins was matched up against Jalen Ramsey, and on Sunday, Hopkins won. He had 10 catches for 98 yards, with most of that coming against Ramsey. I wonder if the porous Charmin defense is starting to erode Ramsey's press cover skill. Last week, I railed on McVeigh. I will make this final commentary about Raheem Porras and his Charmin defense, and then I am done railing on him for the year. His scheme allowed Colt McCoy to move the ball up and down the field all game long. He did blitz once, and Wagner got a sack. He's just not going to change the scheme, even though we're now in last place. On third and four, this guy will play the cornerbacks 10 yards off the line of scrimmage and give them a five-yard pass for the first down as part of his bend-but-don't-break nonsense. I will give these five reasons why I don't like his Charmin defense. One, it keeps the defense on the field for long stretches 
as the opposition marches the ball down the field five to seven yards at a time. Over the long season, that will eventually tire the defense. By design, it gives up a lot of first downs as a trade-off to preventing the bomb, and that hurts us in the field position battle. It encourages teams to throw underneath, thereby not giving our pass rushers enough time to get home. I don't care whom you have rushing the passer. If they only have two seconds, they're not going to get there. It develops a non-aggressive defense, which doesn't afford turnover. I don't like the phrase, bend but don't break. It's weak. It is predicated on the opposition making mistakes. I would prefer a more aggressive defense that forces teams into mistakes rather than waiting for them to happen. Only two teams in the NFL have fewer takeaways than the Rams. The two top teams in this category are the Vikings and Eagles, and they are the two top teams in the NFL. And finally, the Charmin defense is frustrating and boring as hell to watch. And it seems uh, the announcers in the uh, game were pointing that out, too, that he was playing so soft on these uh, on his defense and they were pointing it out and it doesn't really seem to make any difference uh, whatever anybody else is saying he still keeps doing the same thing right right and the and the offense is so bad that i mean the defense has got to come up with some kind of a play for us to win but it's time for the trivia question hint the hint regarding the wide receiver that caught the go-ahead touchdown pass against the cowboys in the 1979 playoffs he wore number 80 and it was not Preston Denard. Were you thinking Willie Miller? Uh-uh. Drew Hill or Ron Smith? Nope, neither one of those uh, either. And we'll give you the answer at the end of the show. Let's uh, go ahead and talk about the Saints. This might be our uh, only winnable game before the end of the season. What do you think? Yeah, that's, that's sadly that may be so. Well, last week I suggested that McVay is either stupid or stubborn for some of his obviously bad decisions. I now think his problem can be classified as mental inertia, also known as psychological inertia. I've been looking into this, and it is a well-known medical condition where people are just unable to make decisions or changes, even when it is obvious that they should. McVeigh's coaching in 2022 shows many classic signs of it. Worse than the losing is how boring the team is on both sides of the ball. If McStubborn and Porus would say, hey, look, we may or may not win, but we're going to be fun to watch, I would say great. But you get these uh, mind-numbing games where you just sit there watching and nothing really happens of, of any excitement on either side of the ball. After this, we have seven more game analysis type podcasts. I have already berated McVay and Porus to death. So starting next podcast, I will be talking less about their inadequacies and focusing more on what the Rams should do to retool in 2023 and become a Super Bowl contender again. I'll be focusing on the players. And I think that the team doesn't need to do a lot in order to get back into contention for the Super Bowl because we still have the nucleus of last year's team intact. Okay, prediction time for this Sunday. The Saints are three and seven. As you said, this is our best shot to win for a while, so we should capitalize. Stafford is expected back, so I'm optimistic. I'm predicting Rams 24, Saints 17. Also a secondary uh, prediction. Let's hear who do you think will, on the offensive side, who do you think will be the, with the Cooper Cup out? You know, and he, what was he, uh, what was the top? Was it 60% of the offense at one time? I don't know the exact stat, but it was ridiculous. Yeah, it was ridiculous. So with him out of there, who do you think the, We'll take this, uh, pick up the slack uh, for the Rams on the offense. I think uh, the two guys that are going to step up are Allen Robinson because he was a beast of a number one when he was with the Jaguars and then with the Bears. So he can, he does have the ability to be productive. So I think he's going to be one of the guys who's going to pick up the slack. The other one I think is going to be Kyron Williams. I think based on what we saw last week, Cam Akers is probably probably going to get phased out. And I think the Rams are going to have to throw the ball to running back a lot of swing passes and screen passes because of their offensive line. So 
I look for Kyron Williams and Allen Robinson as the two main guys to pick up the slack while Cup is out. Yeah, I was hoping to. I know uh, they're not uh, alike at all in physical stature, but Todd Gurley and uh, Kyron Williams, I was going to I know uh, Todd Gurley was kind of the key to uh, a lot of what uh, McVay was doing to cover, uh, you know, overcome Goff's uh, weaknesses and things. So um, watching the end of the game, it was nice to see Kyron Williams do some different things. And hopefully, you know, that can uh, going forward into like what you were talking about next year seeing that if he can uh, fill that role of kind of being an all-purpose person. But we'll see. We'll see. see. Okay, to close out the show, here is our trivia answer. The wide receiver that caught the go-ahead touchdown pass versus the dreaded Dallas Cowboys in 1979 in the playoffs was Billy Waddy. This has been the Ram Forward Podcast. We ask that you like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And if you really like the show, feel free to write a review.